Hello and welcome back to the Hayley Lloyd Show. Today I have a very special guest with me. I have Chelsea with me, who is an industry-renowned podcast coach, helping creatives and coaches and entrepreneurs launch, grow and monetize their podcasts. And she has over 10 years of digital media and content marketing and storytelling expertise to find the golden ticket strategy for her clients. So she's a full-time digital nomad and hosts the top-rated podcast, In my non-expert opinion, which I was just on BT Dubs, you must listen to that episode as well. And she covers the rollercoaster of entrepreneurship, the fun and chaos of travel, internet culture, and the mindset bullshit that we all go through. And this podcast has garnered over 150,000 downloads and continues to grow every week. So I'm so excited that you are here, Chelsea. How are you doing? Oh my god, I'm so so excited. I know we just talked and I'm so energized from our conversation and that's so important to me is to talk to people that energize me and not drain me and so I'm very excited to chat with you today. Oh my god, I feel exactly the same. So I want to start this off. I know that you are big into astrology and human design as well. So to introduce yourself this time, can you fill us in? What are your big three astro placements and what is your human design? My big three, I'm an Aquarius sun, a Virgo moon, and Virgo rising. And then human design, I'm a 6'2 reflector. Oh, you're a reflector. Yeah. Oh, wow. How do you feel like that impacts your business? Oh, my gosh. I now use lunar cycles for a lot of my decision making. So Mm. right now, I scaled back my monthly newsletters, and I pretty much put them out on a new moon. And that for me allows me that whole 28 day like lunar cycle to actually gather and sample and like digest and process where when I was doing a weekly one, sometimes I would even do twice a week. I was very like frantic and I'm like, it's because I'm not allowing myself to like really sit with what's mine and let go of what isn't. So that's been a huge piece taking longer to hire. I used to hire very quickly. Like I would literally get on a discovery call Monday and hire them by like Friday. (laughs) I'm like, let's take a moment. Like we can, we can wait, we can see how this goes. And so that I think the lunar cycle authority has helped me a lot with decision-making in business. Mm, That's so interesting because I haven't really met that many like reflectors that are running their business really easily and it really seems like you are. And I also haven't met that many people that have fully like committed to that 28 day cycle because could you just for anyone that doesn't know about like reflectors, could you just talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So in human design, we all have like an authority type and mine is to basically wait an entire lunar cycle. So there's the new moon and the full moon. And so basically go through both of those types of cycles to make any type of big decision. I used to get really frustrated with that because I was like, what do you mean 28 days is so freaking long? And now I've learned it's just for bigger decisions, at least in my world that it's like an investment or we're pivoting something or we're launching something to give myself that time. Of course, not every single time is 28 days, but it just allows you as a reflector, our whole nature is we are chameleons and we're shapeshifters. And so we take on a lot of other people's energy and we sample it and then we reflect basically the environment that we're seeing back to people. So if you don't really take that time to be like, is this mine or is this just someone's I picked up? It could start to be like you're almost taking on false beliefs or perspectives. So that's really why that lunar cycle is so important to integrate in your decision making or at least like digestion process. Mm, How did you start to implement that and overcome like the impatience? Oh, I think just by crashing and burning a million times, right? Like making too many quick hires and immediately having to fire them like two weeks later and being like, well, maybe you should have done a little more evaluation. That's really what reflectors are, are evaluators. And it's something that I started noticing even in my business. I was really good at seeing people's blind spots and reflecting it back to them, which is why I think it started to make sense that I became a strategist versus doing anything else with podcasting. So I started shifting my business to be more of an evaluator and an auditor versus, again, like a done for you service or an editor or something like that. So that has helped me a ton. And the way I also built it into my business was my schedule. So I literally have a whole week of call or a whole week where I have a no calls week where I don't talk to any clients. I don't have anything booked. And that's kind of my incubation period to look at things and review and evaluate and then make decisions moving forward. I also need a lot of white space in my calendar. 
I almost wanted to start a membership called like the White Space Club or like White Space Membership because I am so hellbent on creating more free time in my calendar. If I look at my calendar and I see it booked up back to back to back, for me, I'm like, that's not you didn't do a good job of evaluating your time because that's not how my energy works. Funny enough, everyone that I hire is that is on my support team is manifesting generators. So they're like, "Woo! I just booked you back to back and we could do this. And then I think in this one hour block, you could do 12 things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, oh I need God. space. I need a three hour deep block. I need all of Friday off to like process this. And I used to feel really bad about that, especially as someone who worked in a corporate American culture for seven years. You know, you I was in sales, too. So we got evaluated on how many calls we did. You know, what quota you're at? How many meetings can you book? Essentially all numbers and accumulation of meetings. So to decondition from that was a long process, I would say really only in the last six to 12 months, I've been able to be like, you're allowed to do it this way. You are allowed to only take on two calls a day. You're allowed to only take on seven one-on-one clients if you want. You don't need to take on 25. You don't need to launch 12 programs at once. But I had to get really comfortable doing that again after realizing my energy was so drained from doing it everyone else's way. I love that because the world is, is so conditioned for generators, manifesting generators and manifestors. And so I I always find it really interesting speaking to projectors and reflectors who have managed to sort of incorporate that because there is a lot of impatience that can come up in such a fast paced world, like dealing with the almost comparison of like what other people are saying, you should be doing it like this, you should be doing it like that. It can really weight really heavy on people and can cause people to make decisions that are completely unaligned, build businesses that aren't aligned. And you spoke about burnout that happened for you, which, you know, is such a massive thing that I see a lot of reflectors like deal with. So massive like props to you for like setting it up that way, because it sounds like it's been just an absolute godsend for you. Oh, 100%. And I will say the downside of that, like speaking of impatience is I got so good at building my business to not always have to do launches all the time that when I do do launches now, it still feels a little bit heavy because I'm like, oh, I haven't had to do this in months. And I do get I start to feel that impatience of like, why are people signing up? Oh, my God, what's happening? And it's like, okay, you, you put out one post. It's not for two more weeks. Let's relax. And that's something I'm still working on. But I will say the white space in the calendar, evaluating time and the lunar cycles has been essential to keep my business going. Mm, It sounds like the biggest thing you gave yourself was a permission slip, a permission slip just to sort of run your business in the way that you wanted to run and not feel like trapped by other people's versions of success. And of course, you know, when there are just, I guess, elements of business, which are stressful launches, you know, but they work. So in those periods where you do have to do a launch and you are like, okay, this is a strategic move that I'm making for my business because I know that from a momentum perspective, it works. How do you manage like the reflector side of you during those periods? I really needed help. Like I needed a support team because I knew I couldn't do it all by myself. So I hired a business operations strategist who she really keeps me accountable for things in the in the terms of like my calendar, energy, deep work blocks. So those are my blind spots because I either really underestimate a task or like drastically overestimate it. And so she'll hold me accountable, especially during a launch for both my energy and making sure things get done. Because I've had coaches who are like, oh, just push the launch back. Who cares? Like, you know, ease and flow. And I've had other ones who are just like, well, buckle up. You committed. Like, doesn't matter. Keep going. And I have this really amazing person who she knows me really well. We were friends in a membership before we started working together. And so now, for example, I'm in the middle of a launch right now. I'm always in the camp of like, oh my God, all we have to do is like make a Zoom link and a calendar invite and a few graphics and we're done. And she's like, no, 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 no. We need to make an email segment list. We need to do this. So she'll help me. Again, she's a manifesting generator. So she'll help me create the checklist. And then she'll literally pull up my calendar with me and be like, okay, look, there's a three hour block there. That's when you can do all the graphics. You have four hours next Monday. That's when you need to write the emails. I didn't, I still cannot really do that on my own. It's something I'm getting better at. But again, my time is also a bit weird because I travel so much that time is always like bending and doesn't feel real. And I just have like a very warped sense of time. So to have someone who's very grounded, she's a Taurus son as well. So to have her very grounded 
and have that fiery energy, but also keeping me accountable to what I said I wanted to do. Like, for example, I said I want to take September off to really double down on the podcast and writing a book. She'll be like, "Okay, block your calendar off. Like, you're not taking meetings then. And I appreciate that. She's not like, well, you could do one or two meetings. Like, why not? She's like, no, like you said, you wanted to take September off. How do we work backwards to get you there? And I really feel without her help and people like that, right? I also have a tech VA. I have a lot of like analytical minded people. I think without them, it would be really hard for me to do all this on my own. Yeah, 100%. And I'm curious to know, how did you have those conversations with people coming onto your team to like brief them that they're allowed to do that? Because I think that's one of the things that people get caught up with is like when a team member comes on, you know, you're both kind of working in your own way. There's not that communication. So like, how did you have that conversation with her to be like, this is how I work and this is how I want you to work with me? Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a dance at first. And I think honestly, with everyone you onboard, it's always like that. I used to have this assumption if they didn't like get it within seven to 10 days, they were like not a good fit. When in reality, it's like, actually, it's my fault that I don't have SOPs in place or that I didn't train them well or have any type of like tutorials or videos or handover guide or anything. And so that was something I learned is like, maybe you need to do a better job onboarding team members. That was number one. But number two is I pretty much let people know up front that I am a bit eccentric. I'm like, I change my mind all the time. I travel. Sometimes I pick up and go over here. Like, I I am not like a grounded, structured, super organized person. And so I will say, if it's not in my Google Calendar, it doesn't exist. You need to put it on my Google Calendar. Um, I do very well with verbal processing. So I let people know that up front. Like, I actually just hired a podcast producer and I told her, We can communicate an email if you want, but like it would be so valuable for me if we could talk on WhatsApp because I can send voice notes and texts and it always helps me process. And she's like, you know what? That's totally fine. And that really helped me make my decision in hiring her. So I think letting people know just my personality and that I like to process things this way up front allows them to make their own decisions and have that creative freedom. And I'm not a micromanager. So I'm like, as long as you get things done. I don't care how you do it, where you do it, if you're upside down in a tree in Bali, <laughs> like as long as you get it done, I truly don't care. It's it's mostly in the onboarding phase where I'll tell them just how I run. And I started making a joke to my business ops person that I was like, I need like a Dom writing coach. So I really want to write a book. And I was like, I want someone that's like a Dom that's going to be like, here's what you do. You didn't do this right. You did it wrong. I'm like, I like that. And I think that's because of my background. I did a lot of broadcast journalism and like digital media and content marketing projects in my school. And we always had to show our projects to the class and the whole class would have to give constructive feedback. So I actually like constructive feedback and criticism. So I tell people that too. I'm like, hey, if you think this is bad, like, please let me know. Or if you think there's something wrong, I'm totally open to feedback. I just told my podcast person this. We just hired her like two weeks ago. I was like, please listen to my intros. And if they sound like I'm rambling, like delete stuff or just tell me to re-record it. I think it helps to A, be self-aware of what your blind spots are and and express those to people and then B, allowing people that line of communication, right? Like you can WhatsApp me, you can Slack me, like letting them know how to do it so they don't feel weird of like, oh my God, do I just like email her? Like this is kind of awkward. I think you need to tell them how to do it just the way you would want that, right? Like, here's how I would want feedback. Here's how you want feedback. Like, let's discuss that up front. Yeah, 100%. This is something that we also, me and my team have had to get really good at too, because I have ADHD. So you're saying things and I'm like, oh, we're quite similar. <laughs> um, because I also struggle to manage my time sometimes and I need people to hold me accountable. Like we just hired a Facebook ads person and she was like, you know, talking about like when she needed things. And I was just like, you just need to give me a deadline because I won't do it unless I've got a deadline. So like, tell me. And I want to be like a little schoolgirl. Like, I just need to know I'm going to get fucking detention <laughs> if, yes, if I don't get I'm that done. You know, it's like sometimes even though I'm managing the business, I need someone. It's almost like this imaginary person that I make that owns the business that's not me. And I'm like, I'm working for that person that's not me. So I have to do it by that and you know maybe that's like your clients or something but I love that and I think having those conversations up front is so so important when you are bringing on new team members exactly as you're saying like you know to talk about human design or to talk about ADHD like that's the way that you get the best out of people is like setting people up for success a hundred percent 
I ask them that too, by the way. I ask them, are you human design and astrology? And I we like have a little conversation up front with my biz ops person to like set the tone. So that's very much part of my business. Oh my God. I love that. And that's a really great idea. So everyone just start like part of your onboarding process. What's your human design? What's your, th- what's your three main um, astrological placements? <laughs> Do we vibe? That should actually be in the onboarding like job description, like before people even come into the team, <laughs> to be fair. Oh yeah, it is. It's on my one-on-one applications too. Like I literally ask people what their human design is in astrology. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Okay, so now that we know a little bit about like who you are, I really want to, so these these um, interviews typically go into two directions. We talk a little bit about your outer authority and then we make a hard pivot and go into your inner authority. So let's talk a little bit about your authority. Now, one of the main things that you do is really help people to monetize and grow their podcast. I am obviously a big believer in podcasting. This podcast has been such a massive converter for me. It's been one of the big things that really like grew my business because people really got to know me on like a really deep level. So I deeply, deeply appreciate and have like such a soft spot for podcasts. And I believe that they really are such an incredible way to like grow your business. But I'm curious to know, why is podcasting your thing? Oh, podcasting is my thing for, I think, three different reasons. The first is that I'm a verbal processor, like I said. So I process things by speaking them. There was a period in my podcast journey where I stopped because I just didn't have the bandwidth or capacity. And I was just like, you know what? This is before I even had a business. So it was a hobby. I'm like, we're spending a lot of time and money and energy. Maybe we should just stop it for a little bit. And I remember feeling so off for six months. I was like, something is missing in my life and I don't know what it is. And eventually I was like, oh, it's your podcast. Like you haven't been processing verbally. So I think that's number one why it's so helpful is because I get to share my perspective and thoughts unfiltered without anyone telling me how to say it or do it and in the way that I want to do it, right? Like I'm doing this for myself. I don't have to report to anybody. So that's first why podcasting is such a big thing for me. I think the second thing is I've always loved sharing behind the scenes and context. And podcasting to me is like the best way to do that. I have trouble sharing everything that I want to share in short form content. And so for me, I'm like, look, if you want the tea, the full transparency, the context, just go to the podcast and you will hear everything that you want to. And that's allowed me to develop deeper connections with people. It's opened up business opportunities I didn't even think imaginable. I've had people DM me of like, this episode changed my life. Thank you for sharing. And I'm like, wow, that's because I decided to go on and actually add that context and not hold back. So I think honestly developing like vulnerability and being able to share that has helped the po- the podcast has helped that a lot and I would say the third thing is that I love telling stories like ever since I was little in college people were like oh you're great at telling stories you love to tell stories you tell the best stories and I was like well what other platform can I do that on again without having a character count limit or a 10 slide maximum or whatever the case is and I'm like that's podcasting. So for me, it's just the the spaciousness of it, along with the self-expression piece that makes it such a fun and exciting platform for me. You have a podcast, in my non-expert opinion, it's got over 150,000 downloads. And so I'm I'm really curious about the growth journey of this podcast. And because, you know, you don't have like a massive audience on Instagram. You know, you've got no. under 5,000 followers on Instagram. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, in order to get like really huge like views on like podcasts, I've got to have like a huge audience. And you're just like such like a an exception to that rule. And so I'm really curious, like what did the growth journey of that podcast look like? Yes. So I was like really delusional in the beginning of my journey. And I was pitching really big guests because I was just like the worst they can say is no. And I'm just back where I started. I think a lot of my background helped. Again, like I had to interview people in my education in school. And so I did have to reach out to people and learn how to pitch. So that was something that I learned how to do early on. And I was like, you know what, let's reach out to this influencer with one million followers. Or like, what about this author or speaker? And funny enough, people like talking about themselves. So a lot of people said yes. And a lot of people wanted to tell their story. And this was early on, right? So I think I started in 2016 or 2017. So podcasts, even then were still pretty big, but it wasn't at the point where they are now where so many people have one. So it actually wasn't that hard to get their attention or get people to say yes. So what happened is these huge influencers or people would come on 
share it on their Instagram stories. And then boom, I would have all these new listeners get, you know, drive to the podcast. So I was like, oh, let me keep doing this. And then what would happen is because of my interview background, I would conduct what I would say were pretty good interviews. And they would say, oh, my God, you did such a good job. I think you should meet my friend. And so then they would introduce me to their influencer friends or their mentors or cousins or whoever, right, that were also had big followings. And then they would share it. I would say, too, a big piece of it, going back to like storytelling and interviewing, was some people had such a great time that a lot of people, I even do this when I go on a podcast, they just share it on their Instagram stories. A lot of people said that the story they told on my podcast, they hadn't told before. So they would either re-air it on their podcast or share it in their newsletter. And so that extra visibility just really helped to grow. And then on um, podcast swaps, those were huge. So once I started doing podcast swaps with people, and a lot of those swaps got set up from being able to interview them really well. I would interview them and they'd be like, wait, you should come on my podcast. And then that helped grow it, too, because you're basically borrowing someone's audience. So those were some of the biggest ways that I grew the podcast without a big Instagram following. And to this day, by the way, I don't put much effort at all into my Instagram. I actually just emailed a huge influencer, like, whew, like huge, like one million plus followers, multimillionaire, like huge, huge fitness influencer. And at the bottom of my email, I highlighted Please note, I do not put a lot of investment into my Instagram. Do not look at that as a factor of what I can, like what I'm capable of interviewing. And I, and then I sent a list of people I've interviewed that I knew she would know because I know that's what people look at, right? They're going to go to the Instagram. They're going to be like, oh, she only has this amount of followers. And I'm like, but that does not translate to the success of my podcast, the way I interview or the way I storytell. And so now I kind of just call out the elephant in the room being like, I know you're going to go check it out. I know what you're looking at. Let me just tell you what it is. And that actually, it, I didn't get a yes, but it wasn't a no either. It was actually kind of a not yet. Like this person was just really busy. And so I'm like, oh, I'm glad I called that out. But if I could tell your listeners anything, it's stop making Instagram following mean anything about you or the other person in terms of what they're capable of. Oh my God, a mic drop moment. Honestly, could not agree more. So it sounds like the the biggest thing here has really been collaborations. And so I'm I'm really curious to hear more about that for my own personal information as well. So how did you go about starting to pitch? And obviously you said that you started to pitch when podcasting wasn't as much of a thing. So has like your podcast strategy shifted? Like how do you help your clients to pitch to those kinds of clients now or those kinds of people now? A hundred percent. That is like the biggest thing that I work on with them, especially if they already have a podcast and they're stuck in a plateau. I'm like, you need to start collaborating with people and getting on other podcasts or at least getting on their platforms. So sometimes that could just be like guest teaching inside their mastermind or being a guest writer for their newsletter. So it doesn't always have to be podcasting, but I always just think of it as like cross pollinating audiences and giving them value too. So you don't want to just take, take, take. Um, you want to also be able to say, hey, I have this spot on my podcast that I would love to have you on, or I have a newsletter that I would love for you to write on too. So having a swap is the first thing. And then what I have them do is map out essentially any program, membership, course, mastermind, anything they've invested in is look at the leaders of those programs and see if they have a podcast or a collaboration opportunity. So again, you could guest speak, you could guest teach, anything like that. And then from there, I'm like, go into those memberships, especially if you're still active, go into the Slacks, the Mighty Networks, whatever like digital community they have and start sharing that you're open to swaps and and collaborations with people. So I did this for a while in a membership I was in. I would say like, hey, I'm open to swaps. And that helped me start to really get into like the astrology community and the human design community because that membership was very much about that. So it opened up access to other guests and other people. And then again, just the sharing in that platform, the membership was huge. So being able to share the episodes inside there really helped. So that's what I always tell people too, is like, look for the, I don't lo love this term, like low hanging fruit, but like the easiest route, right? Is you already have a warm connection to these people. Ask them, right? Directly ask them, how can you get in touch with them? How can you do a swap or ask for a recommendation or an intro? So now what I do is kind of like, I call it like the spider web sixth degree of connection is like, wait a second. Like, I know my client took your mastermind. Maybe she could introduce us because you just worked with her. I just worked with her. 
that's an easy connection, right? So that's what I have them do too, is map this out. I have a whole notion document where I'm like, start looking at all the connections you have and just ask for intros. That's actually the easiest way to be honest, to get a collaboration or podcast swap on the books. Because going back to trusting people, if I know that you're recommending someone to me and I've already talked to you, I'm like, okay, they're 90% passing the screen test, right? I don't need to really do a lot of vetting. So what you really should do is go to your podcast, look at your guests. If they have a podcast, go look at who they've had on and then reach out to them and say, hey, I love the recording we did. I love your podcast. I see you had on whatever, Jane Smith. Do you mind making an intro? I would love to do a swap with her. That is such an easy way to to set up collaborations. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this because in all honesty collaborations is not something I've done a huge amount of and this kind of brings me on to my next question is you know podcasting can be quite time consuming and I mean even we've been doing like a back and forth swap right now you know it takes up like a good chunk of the day how much of like a priority should you say this should be like collaboration should be in your business strategy if you're looking to grow and convert clients Beautiful soul, if you are feeling lit up listening to this podcast episode right now and you are thinking to yourself, what is the next step? I need some accountability to implement what I am learning right now and a partner with as I scale my purpose and mission fuel business. I want to talk to you about a very special container of mine. It is called the House Mastermind, and it is a one-year experience for purpose and mission-driven entrepreneurs that are wanting to become a feminine authority online, make money in integrity, and become known and sold out for an incredible reputation that they built in their industry. This is for people that are newer or growing coaches and are looking to scale to 10 to 30K months through attraction marketing, building a magnetic brand, feminine lean-back selling, and becoming the authority on the inside out. Not only do you get access to all of my programs, all of my trainings, and anything else that I decide to run live for the entire year that you are in the container, you also get me personally giving you coaching every single month in group coaching calls. We have co-coaching that happens for your mindset. We have a community-led telegram group And my love, we are currently an early bird for December. So if you have been on the fence about joining the house mastermind, this is the time to make a move. If you have any questions, you can message me at Haley June Lloyd on Instagram, and we can have a voice note together about whether this is the right fit for you. I hope to see you inside. Well, for me, it's such a high priority because I don't put a lot of investment into social media. So I need some type of strategy to constantly be generating leads or conversions. And so for me, podcast swaps and collaborations are honestly number one. So I put a lot of time into it. I had an agency that was pitching me on podcasts. I worked with them for like six months. Now I'm about to have my producer do that for me. I have a whole spreadsheet of people that I want to collaborate with that are all guests on my podcast. Anyone that I've been a guest on their podcast, we've made a spreadsheet. We've looked at what courses they run. Can I go guest teach in there? Because again, that's my strategy. Um, when people sign up to work with me, I ask them where did they find me or like what made them want to work with me. And it's either from your podcast or I heard you on another podcast or I heard you guest teach inside a membership I'm in. So because I have all this data, I literally don't think one single person has ever said they found me from Instagram or TikTok or anything. I don't even really do TikTok, to be honest, but I have so much data that people do not find me on social media that it doesn't make sense for me to put a lot of eggs in that basket. And it makes more sense for me to put a lot of time and effort into collaborations. Mm, So what I'm hearing is it really comes down to like personal preference around how you want to grow your business. But I think this is such a good call out for people that maybe struggle with social media, struggle with being, you know, because for Instagram to grow, you kind of got to post quite frequently, you know, that is just kind of part of the game. And if you really struggle with that, and you actually prefer maybe having conversations, then maybe actually doing this collaboration technique could be a better way for you to build your business. That's and even guest coaching, as you're talking about, can be a better way to get more exposure that doesn't mean that you have to spend all that time on social media. So the personal preference is really important there. Yeah. And I like teaching. Right. So for me, like guest teaching is fun. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Like, I love sharing my expertise. And if you think about this from a strategic standpoint, like, for example, Haley, if I brought you in to speak inside my mastermind, I obviously trust you enough with your expertise to speak to my students. So they already probably trust you 50 percent more than if they went and found you cold on the Internet. So for me, it's like 
an easy win for both of us. You're teaching people a skill set that I don't have, and you're probably attracting a whole new group of people that are pretty much mid funnel or ready to buy that are now going to trust you because I brought you into the into the fold. Yeah, I love that so much. So there's one more question that I have for your outer authority piece. And this is you are a full time digital nomad whilst you are running your business. And I'm going to be fucking real right now. I really struggle with this. Like I thought, (laughs) I thought this year in 2023, I was like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to love it. It's going to be amazing. I like the technical stuff, grounding myself into a place like because I have a Taurus moon and she wants to be so settled. And like, I'm a Sagittarius sun and rising. So you would have thought that like, you know, but I, it's been a bit of a struggle to be honest. So I'm really curious to know, how does this work for you? Oh my God. Um, A lot of, again, trial and error, but I would say there's three things that stand out is the first one is trying to just emulate the same routine, no matter what country I'm in. So if I'm jumping from like Cape Town to Argentina to London, I don't like switch around my day to day and and routines. I'm like, okay, no, you like to do yoga and Pilates and strength training. You need to go find studios that have those things and you need to immediately build that into your schedule. The second thing is that I try to grocery shop as soon as I land so I can start just cooking and being like familiar with the lay of the land and like how far things are and just get into, again, a routine. I think that's the biggest thing. The third thing is scheduling my days according to my energy and like my time zones that I'm going to be in, obviously. So I know that I actually don't work best in the mornings. Like I'm not a 9 a.m., 10 a.m. type of gal. I actually take off most of the mornings until 12 or 1, which is why I kind of like being in like Cape Town or London or uh, Europe because I'm always six to nine hours ahead of my clients. And I'm like, oh, I love that because I get the whole morning to myself. And they're not even awake yet. So that's super fun for me. But that's how I build my schedule. And that's how I build my scheduling app. Like my Calendly, I will literally have it blocked off to accommodate this no matter what country I'm in. So it doesn't matter if I'm East Coast, West Coast, Cape Town, South Africa, whatever. It's like you're going to work the hours 12 to 6. So I always keep that in mind. And then I would say too, like the time zone thing is kind of rough, right? Like I just got to London after spending the first six months of this year in South America And South America, I was the same time zone as a lot of my clients. And now I'm six hours ahead and my sleep schedule is messed up. I'm so confused about my work hours. Like I keep working till midnight, but just because my that's when my clients are active. And I'm like, you cannot be working till midnight. Like you're you're ruining your sleep schedule. So that is an adjustment. I also try to take days off when I land somewhere. I used to make this mistake of I would land and be like, oh, you land at 2 p.m. on a Sunday, you have the rest of Sunday to regroup and you can get right back to work on Monday. And I'm like, no, you need to go walk around the neighborhood, figure yourself out, just rest, right? You just had a travel day. So now what I do is usually block off like two days of settling in. And then even the day I leave somewhere, I always try to block that off, maybe even the day before to like pack and run errands. But again, that was a lot of trial and error. And it's, it's definitely not easy, but you can make it work if you just plan ahead. Do you love it? I do. What I will say is I'm definitely not a month to month girl anymore. The whole first six months of this year, I was in a new country every single month. And now I'm like, we're going to do three months, six months since moving forward. So I have a little bit more bopping around this month. And then I'm like ready to be somewhere for three to six months. Yeah, because I think travel burnout really can become a thing. Like I have a really dear friend of mine who went traveling and she was just bopping around like lots of different places and burnout just became travel burnout became a thing it's not even something I'd conceptualized before I was like people get burnt out from traveling like isn't this isn't this meant to be the life and so I'm curious to know from your perspective is it as glamorous as it looks online no oh my god not at all I just literally put out an episode the other week about honest travel stories with my roommate that I lived with in Mexico City and we talk about like how annoying it is that a lot of places we live don't have elevators so you're carrying all your luggage up and down and your groceries and you're constantly like the wi-fi will go out but you don't live close to a co-work space so now you have to go rent a space and take an uber like there's so much shit that happens when you're traveling and it's not glamorous at all a lot of times I was like working in my bed in Mexico City because I was like I don't even want to get up I just want to chill here. And this is definitely not like laptop lifestyle by the pool. Like I'm in my pajamas with a messy bun that I haven't washed in eight days, like trying to get emails done. So it's definitely not as glamorous. It's really tiring. It's 
exhausting, but for me, it is something that fuels my like optimism for life. And I, I really think that's one of my biggest like purposes to like see as much as I can of the world. So I think if I can make it more sustainable and stretched out, it will be more doable. But yeah, travel burnout is so real. Yeah, I mean, even for myself, just even coming to Bali, I've experienced like weird feelings being here and I'm traveling alone and it's the stuff that comes up and I definitely did not give myself two days break because I was like, it's only six hour flight. There's only a two hour difference, but it's like, it's actually the full travel of like, you get on a plane, you're breathing like weird, like recycled air. Like there is, you need some fucking downtime, babe. (laughs) Yeah. And then even the luggage, I'm like, no one ever really thinks that, yeah, it rolls, but I'm like, that's tiring. You're doing like a mini workout. You're lifting it above your head. You're getting it off the luggage ball. I'm like, you're doing a literally like hit workout while you're traveling. And then you're just like trying to get to, there's a lot of mental overload too. This is what my roommate and I talked about is as along with running my business, I am constantly seeking out my basic needs of like shelter. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where I'm living in six weeks from now, like no idea. So I'm like, well, now you have to plug that into your calendar somewhere is like life admin of I need to book a train or a plane somewhere we need to check the area do we need cash like I'm constantly doing this it's actually gotten to the point where I'm like I need to hire an assistant to help because it does distract me from my work and that was something that I realized too is like that was a big piece circling back to earlier of how I set up my life this year is like I cannot be doing live launches all the time because of how I travel so that was something that I have people asking about you know when's the next live round of this program and I'm like I'm honestly going to have to wait until I settle somewhere for three to six months because I have run it live while traveling all the time. And it just logistically is a nightmare. And I'm like, I I know myself and I'm not going to be able to energetically or like logistically commit to that. Mm, Thank you for the transparency on that, because I think it's it's so glamorized online of like you want to be working by a pool. But you know how fucking hard it is to work by pool? Oh, man, it's the worst. It's like the worst thing. I can't even see your screen. (laughs) You can't see your screen. The Wi-Fi is shit. You're being splashed by the kids of the pool. I I did it yesterday. and I just ended up coming back to the room. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to work my bed. Yeah, most of the people I know, by the way, I travel digital nomads all the time and all of us end up usually working from the kitchen or the bedroom. Yeah. A hundred percent. So just be prepared that if you are aiming for that life, it's just, it's not exactly what people put online. So just the real reality behind the scenes, guys. <laughs> but yes. it's, you know, if, if you've got it as a goal, then it's a good goal. Go for it. Go for okay. it. I want to take a little bit of a, a, a of a pivot now and some inner authority. And this is where we're going to go into some juicy questions. So you talk a lot about mindset bullshit on your podcast. And often people that get into, I feel like, this space, you know, whether it's like the healing space or the, the talking space or like sharing from your experiences, I feel like people have been through some shit, you know, uh, that kind of leads them to wanting to express, wanting to talk about their experiences. Because it, it is like, as you spoke about verbal processing, it is kind of a way to process and it is kind of a way to heal on some levels as well. And I'm really curious to know, have there been any large life events in your life that majorly shifted the trajectory of your life and got you to where you are on a more personal level? Ooh, yes. I mean, the the one that prompted me to start this podcast was a breakup. And it was with a guy that in the moment I thought was great. And in hindsight, I'm like, wow, we were so toxic for each other. I think we both honestly had really low self-esteem and we're just you know, like attracts like. And so we were just in a very toxic relationship. And I remember when I was dating him is when I started listening to podcasts. And I was like, I really want to start one. And he was just so insecure that I remember he would always like kind of put it down or clip at it a little bit and just be like, why would you want to start one? And like, don't celebrities do that? And da da da. Like it was just he thought I was like only trying to do it to be famous. And so I I let that like dictate a lot of my decision making. I was like, yeah, maybe he's right. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a celebrity. And then somehow he came around and towards the end of our relationship, he bought me a microphone. And I remember being like, oh, my God, this is actually pretty crazy. And then things kept happening with him that I'm like, "Okay, you are not a good romantic partner at all. And we broke up. And that like energy, I was like, I need to channel it into something. And it was like a bolt of lightning. It just catalyzed me. And I was like, it's go time. Like, you need to record this podcast that you've been wanting to do. I remember it so vividly. I was at work and I was like. I'm going to take 30 minutes distraction from work 
And I went on uh, Canva, made a logo. It was one of those ones that like everyone had at the time with a squiggle background or something. And I was just like, this is the cover art. You're recording your first episode tonight. I did it on the voice app memo on my phone. By the way, my first like 16 episodes are on my voice memo app on my phone. So you can start a podcast using whatever equipment you want. Um, Yeah. And that really, really catalyzed the podcast. And I actually don't think if we would have broken up, I would have started it because I would have always had that in the back of my mind. Like, what does he think or is he going to listen? Funny enough, full circle moment. He I blocked him on Instagram. We ended really badly. And he found my podcast Instagram, at, which, by the way, is no longer active because, as you know, I don't really prioritize Instagram. And he messaged me on that Instagram. I was like, by the way, I listen to your podcast. It's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Like, you're killing it. I'm like, wait, what? I feel like you were the one that was always holding me back. So that was just a really funny, like divine timing moment that I'm like, honestly, thank you for being a horrible partner that like made me want to start this podcast. Thanks for being such an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. It fueled my creativity. So yeah, that was a big one. And then, I mean, all of my big like dark moments in life and what I've come out on the other side have been usually romantic breakups. Mm. It's so crazy to me how people's opinions can squash a dream so fast. They often say doubt is the biggest killer of our dreams. And especially if it's coming from someone that's in your household. Like I, um, I'm still with my partner today who I'm about to tell the story about. But we went through a very difficult period where he had a lot of perfectionism coming up. And when I started sharing my stories like online and stuff, he would analyze my Instagram stories and he'd come back like often in a panic and he'd be like, you know, I think you should take this down because, you know, X, Y, Z. And so we were living together at the time and I blocked him whilst we were living together. And I was just like, "Uh, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you very much. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, if you try try, try, try to stop me, we're going to have a fucking problem. And luckily he sort of listened to me and he was just like, I'm just not even going to watch. I was just like, that's a, look, this will become something. Just, you don't even have to watch. So I kept him blocked for two years and I literally only like four months ago, I blocked him. He was like, do you, you don't really post on your stories? I was like, oh, I do. (laughs) I do. You just haven't seen them You just don't see them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it just really goes to show that sometimes you do need to just take the action and just remove someone from your life because that doubt is it's painful. It's really painful yeah. to have that. And a lot of us create from that lens sometimes. Like, I still do this sometimes. Where I'll create something. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that guy that I like hooked up with is going to look at my story or like the guy yeah. I was just dating or that my friend's mom that always has something to say about it right like that still pops up and I'm I'm years into my business I'm seven years into my podcast and that still comes up like who's gonna listen but I think the good outweighs the bad and that's what keeps me going are you currently in a relationship no I am single as a Pringle and are you looking for a relationship Yes, I am on the market. I am ready for introductions. Haley, if you have any friends, digital nomads, anyone listening, line up. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about collaborations. <laughs> I've got I've got your number. I'll send it out to a few people I know. <laughs> there we go. I am open and yeah, I'm really ready for a relationship. I think to be honest, I, I travel so much and that was kind of part of the allure, like, ooh, I'm going to date a guy from France and then Spain. And you know what I mean? Like, it's so sexy, very like sex in the city. But what I learned about myself is I have an anxious attachment style. And so dating all these guys and like pretending I was OK with light and uncertainty is actually not OK for me. So actually, the last situationship I was in, I definitely went into it being like, yeah, let's be casual. Who cares? And towards the end, I was like, you were so not true to yourself, like talking about inner authority. I was not listening to that at all. I was trying to appease him and, you know, live in the romantic comedy of, oh, he'll fall in love with me and then he'll realize that he wants to be with me and we'll end up whatever. And eventually I was like, you need to be direct about this. Um, Full transparency, I hired an attachment coach and I had a therapist because that's how like activated I was by these situationships. And I was like, I need help with directly speaking my needs. And so both of the support teams I had helped me in like getting myself out of the situationship and setting clear boundaries. So 
yeah, that was a huge learning lesson with my inner authority was dating while traveling. Mm, Yeah, I can imagine. And full transparency, like before I got into this relationship, I also had like a really anxious attachment type. I also had codependency. So I had to get like a codependency coach to like help me not feel like I was dying (laughs) if I didn't hear from someone. And so that is just such a real thing. I can only imagine what dating would be like when you're traveling as well, because you're not in one place. You you are constantly like moving around, like you can't really settle. Like, how do you make those plans with people? Yeah, it's it's hard. You have to either someone has to change their plans or you need to be like, okay, we we will see each other, but maybe in like three months. Um, That happened with my ex. We met while I was in Australia. It was my last weekend there. He had one more weekend and I was like, okay, I guess this is it. Goodbye. And then we ended up realizing we really liked each other. And so we had to be long distance for a little bit. And then eventually I moved to like northern Germany for him. And that was me changing my plans. And that's kind of what happens when you travel and date. Like someone is either sacrificing or changing their plans. And I will say a piece of advice is you should not plug yourself into someone else's life. I think I did that when I went to Germany and I didn't really consider like this isn't the lifestyle I want. This isn't the environment I want to live in. I don't have any support systems here. So now moving forward, again, talking about inner authority, it's like I need to take into account what my needs and desires are and communicate that. I'm flexible, but I'm not going to completely sacrifice everything. Mm -hmm. Such good advice. I'm curious to know, has there ever been a moment whilst you've been building your business that has felt really, really difficult and almost negatively affected the business or did affect the business? Because part of feminine authority is about handling both and knowing that when when we have a business, we're we're still going to deal with life stuff. And I think it's that permission slip that we don't have to be perfect. So I'm curious to know if you don't mind sharing, have you ever had any of those moments whilst you've been building this business? Personally, it kind of goes back to breakups. Like I remember the German guy I was dating when we broke up, we lived together and we lived together during the pandemic. So anyone that lived with their partner during the pandemic knows that was like trial marriage and you're just stuck in. I mean, Germany's lockdown was really, really harsh too. Like we could only go to the grocery store and walk outside. So imagine doing that for a year, you don't speak the language, you don't have any friends, you don't have anything but your partner. And so when we broke up, it had felt like we had been together much longer than we were. And then I had to go through the whole process of like moving out in the middle of still a pandemic while I had just, by the way, gotten my German visa like two weeks before that. So it was like I had to go to the office with him and like you have to deregister from Germany. It's this whole thing. And I remember I was like, how am I supposed to go on a Zoom call right now and be like, hey, we're going to talk about like mindset today when I'm sobbing, I'm heartbroken, I'm depressed, I can't even like eat. That was so hard for me. And I remember I took a week away from him. Like I went to a different city just to like regroup and I was getting my hair done and I did the my course call while I was getting my hair done. I just kind of started crying on the call. I was like, I just want you guys to know this is happening in my life. I'm okay right now. Like we're okay to do this call, but I just want you to know like this, this is why I'm here and this is why I'm not in my normal background. And like, I might get emotional and I, you know, if you need me on Slack or Voxer, like I might not be emotionally available this week because of what I'm going through. And people were so understanding. People were like, if you want to end this call, that's fine. If you want us to like pause, we can. But that was a huge moment that I remember being like, do I need to like just stop this program while I go through this breakup? But I actually think because I was so honest with the students in it, they were really helpful and it kind of helped me move forward. But yeah, that was a huge, huge, like it it wasn't like a dark moment, but it definitely was something that affected my business. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think the sharing with transparency is such a power move. Like that's feminine authority. You know, what you've just described is feminine authority, being able to have that difficult conversation with your clients, show realness and vulnerability and show I'm not perfect. Like I actually, unlike what most people show, I I am a human being and I'm really hurting right now. I can still coach you. I can still show up for you. But there may be moments where it's difficult. Like that level of transparency is so powerful. And I think if anyone feels like, you know, you do have to be perfect all the time and that something is wrong if you're struggling with something, just like really hear from that story, like how much consideration that people had for that. And I'm curious to know on the back of that, did did you lose any clients? Did anyone say to you like that was really unprofessional? Like did any any 
repercussions come from that? Absolutely zero. I mean, again, if anything, it was support. It was people sending me gift cards or nice messages on Instagram or emails and, you know, even telling me, like, if you want to reschedule our call to the end of the month, that's totally fine. I mean, if anything, it was more support than negativity. And it's interesting because I think that showed me that you can be honest with people that now it's so cool to watch when I talk to my clients. You know, if we have a call coming up, some of them will be like, look, my period is brutal this week. I can't move. I'm an emotional mess. I'm not going to be in my best energy or like productive on the call. I'm like, okay, let's move it back because I know what it's like to be on a brutal period and not want to be speaking or using your mind. And so I think that's just a really cool way of doing business is like, let me tell you about my human side because that is affecting my business side. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So when mindset stuff does come up like to this day, because it it always does, how do you personally handle that? Oh my gosh, therapy is number one. I have a therapist that I talk to every single week. I don't think I've missed a session in like two years. That's like top priority for me. So therapy is number one. Um, Number two, every single night I journal three different things. It's a list of gratitude, a list of self-acknowledgement, and then a list of how I got my needs met. And the self-acknowledgement piece is really, really helpful for me because I used to only do it about work. So it was like, oh, I signed a client or I sent out this email campaign and I started realizing so much of my identity was wrapped up in work and achievements. So now I started doing it in terms of like the person I want to be. And when I think of how I want people to describe me, like when I leave a room, I want them to be like, she's such a good friend or like she's so thoughtful or her energy just brings me so much light. And so that's what I focus on in that self-acknowledgement is like, did when I was at dinner, did I take up the whole conversation or did I ask people questions and let them speak like and then tell myself like you did a good job tonight at dinner or, you know, you remembered that it was your roommate's birthday and you got her a present. You bought flowers for your client's birthday. Like those are things I try to acknowledge myself for now. And that helps me realize like I'm not a shitty person. I'm not a bad daughter or business owner or friend because you can definitely go down those spirals and then getting my needs met because that's something, especially while traveling, your needs are constantly shifting. Like I just said, my travel or excuse me, my like survival needs are always changing. And so I need to constantly be like, Chelsea, did you get your needs met? Like comfortability, um, safety. Uh, you know, pleasure, like so many different things. And that helps me evaluate where I'm at and then look at what I need to focus on. So there was a period where I was like, wow, comfortability, like you're not getting that need met. You need to prioritize that. And so now that's how moving, like that's how I evaluate my time now too, is being able to look at that stuff and not go down mindset spirals. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you just said around um, you realized that you were pinning so much um, of your worth on like the business and like happiness on the business, which I think is something that especially maybe newer business owners really, really struggle with. And so I'm curious for you, how did you realize that that was the case? And and what did that create in your business? Oh, I probably realized this in like full, you know, full exposure, honestly, in the last like three months. To be fully transparent, I did a lot of mushroom trips in Mexico City, and that brought up so much where I was like, oh, my God, I feel like people only love me for how much I achieve and how much I succeed in business or like accolades. And does anyone even know me for anything else? Like that started to really be the question of like, what do people perceive me as? Is it just like successful in business? And that really bothered me. And so it started to be something that I, again, worked on in that self-acknowledgement exercise of like, you need to now shift your way of thinking to perceive yourself differently, that you aren't just your achievements and accolades. So yeah, I just realized that through those journeys. And then, well, I think there was a second part of your question, or I feel like there's another part I was going to answer. How does that affect you? Like, I think that was it. <laughs> I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, affect- <laughs> I know. I was like, there was something I was going to say is... Um, oh, and how did I realize it too? And like shifted. Yeah. So I realized that again through mushroom experiences, but I think what started to really hit me was I look always at qualitative data or quantitative and it definitely drives my biz ops person crazy. She's like, just pull up your dashboard, pull up the data, pull up, pull up the spreadsheet. And I'm like, no, like I'm going to pull up the qualitative data. I like the DMs. I like the emails. I like the messages. And I started basing my success on how many lives I've impacted that aren't just my students or clients. So for example, I just had a friend visit me in New York. He's a videographer. 
I introduced him to my business operations person. Now his business has taken off. He was doing a video podcast for me. Like we just created this whole really cool dynamic. And he told me like the best part about Argentina was meeting you. Like my trajectory of so many things changed. And I was like, whoa, like that really landed for me. And I'm like, that's how I want to impact people now is like somehow your trajectory with me, whether it's like you made a new friend or your business blew up. I don't want it to always just be about how I helped you launch a podcast or how I helped you grow or monetize a podcast. And um, yeah, it's honestly through travel too that I've started to realize more of that. Mm, thank you for sharing. I think it's such like a, a difficult problem to overcome. We often, you know, as we go through school, we literally associate our worth with the grades that we get. So it's a really hard like problem that a lot of people can encounter when they do sort of come into um, business is like detaching from the business, seeing that it's not personal. So thank you so much for sharing because I think those little pieces of advice will probably really affect someone. And I have one more question on the inner authority side. What is your biggest fear? Let's see. I think my biggest fear is that I will let someone's opinion or remark squash my dream. Like coming back to what we were talking about earlier, I can feel that a little bit now with this book that I'm trying to write. I, I'll sit down for periods and bang out a thousand words in like 25 minutes and just and then I'll something will just stop me and be like, <gasps> and I'm like, what is that voice? Like, because it's not me, it's someone else. And I can tell I'm like, oh, it's one of the guys I used to date or someone in my family or an old coworker, And I'm like, that's my biggest fear is like this fire inside me is just going to slowly start simmering down over someone that really has no authority over my life. And that one day I'm going to get old and be like, wait, so you didn't write that book because like your old coworker said something like out loud talking about it now. It seems so ridiculous. But yeah, that that does affect me. And I think that's my biggest fear is that that dream is going to die because of someone else. Oh, I feel that one. I've got to say, I, I'm almost the same. And I think um, full transparency here, I, I'm wanting to have kids in the next couple of years as well. And especially for women, it sometimes feels like there's a clock, you know, where it's just like, we've got to do all these things before we have kids. And although that's not rational, because obviously you're going to have after kids and there's going to be loads of times, but I have the same like fears of like what if I don't get the stuff that I want to done and what if my priorities change when I have kids and then I don't get these things that I just feel like I've I've been put here to do what if I don't get to do them and it's like this yeah it puts you in a chokehold sometimes so I thank you for sharing oh my god and by the way whenever I go get astrology readings that is my number one question and like fear is that I feel like I'm gonna have to choose between being like career oriented or family oriented and like being a mom and yeah. they always have to bring me back to reality. But I have that same exact fear that like one thing is going to die because the other thing came to life, which is not true. But that's how it feels. Oh, my God. I, I feel exactly the same. <laughs> and it is completely irrational. And because I, I know many, many women mothers who have done both things. But there is also a narrative, which is like, I don't feel like you can have both. Mm -hmm. And and I think it really comes down to, you know, the kind of maybe mom or carer that you want to be as well and like lifestyle decisions around that. But yeah, it's it's a that's a scary thought for me. Um, and it's something that quite honestly, I'm still navigating through at the moment. And oh, yeah, same. I'm like, it's any, real. <laughs> any readers I go to, I'm still I've asked it like 70 times. I'm like, OK, but one more time. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. So kids. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it up. Yeah, totally. Uh, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. It has just been such a pleasure getting to know you and learning about your authority. And I know that so many people are going to take so much away from this episode. So thank you so much for sharing vulnerably and for imparting so much wisdom because I genuinely have like learned so much and I feel like behind now because I don't have collaborations and I'm like holy fuck I need to get my fucking tushy I need to get some interviews lined up <laughs> you are behind Love girl um, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and where can people find you and could you also give us some insight if, if people are interested in working with you what are some of the offers that you have going on at the moment yeah absolutely you can pretty much find me at my first and last name everywhere which is chelsea rife r-i-f-f -F, as in french fries e and that's chelsea .com, at chelsea rife on instagram my podcast is called in my non-expert opinion which Haley was on so you need to go run and check that episode out and then upcoming i have one-on-one -on -one. i always have that kind of ongoing and rolling 
I also have VIP days. So if you're more of like a sprint mode, binge mode type of girl, that's how I like to do things too. I'm like, let's just get it all done in like four to six hours. I have those as well. And then I also have mic drop, which is my launch course. So if you want to launch a podcast and you don't know where to start, definitely go to take mic drop. And I always have fun workshops coming up. Like I'm teaching people how to pitch in one. I have one about interviewing coming up. There's so many. So you can just stay updated on my website or get on my email list. Thank you so much. I'm sure that everyone will be running to check that out right now. And thank you for this full circle moment. Genuinely, I remember still (laughs) finding your profile when I first came in the online space. And I was like, damn, that girl's cool. (laughs) And now we got to connect. I love it. (laughs) And like I said, I I had your, I was on your email list and I was like, I need a cloud with her in some way. And here we are. It's so full circle. I love it. So good. All right. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And I will chat to you guys on the next episode. Speak to you guys in a bit.